Welcome. You are listening to a sermon from Christ Chapel Barry. Listen and be blessed. Father, we thank you for such a time as this. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your presence in our midst. Accept our thanks in Jesus' name. Lord, as you go into your heart, go with us. Speak unto us. Teach us. And let your name alone be glorified. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We love you, Lord. For we are prayed in Jesus' name. Let's have our seats. Well, welcome to his presence. As has been announced, teenagers are starting their service today. Or I believe they have started. So if we still have teenagers in our midst, we have a, a separate uh, place prepared for us in the Heritage Hall. So we can please move down there and uh, join the other teenagers. And uh, the Lord will encourage and build us up in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Sunday, we started looking at Exodus chapter 33 from verse 13 to verse 14. Looking at the topic, Divine Presence. Exodus 33, 13 and 14. And this was Moses speaking. He said, Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, shew me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. That this nation is what? Thy people. And the Lord answered him and said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give you rest. Amen. So we highlighted the fact that Moses said, If I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know thee and find grace in your sight. I mean, if I have found grace, show me your way that I may do what? That I may find grace. So it means there is grace and there is what? Somebody is not with me this morning. Are we together? He said, if I have found grace, show me your way. I want to know you. And then I want to do what? Find grace. And then we went further by now looking at Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. And that passage sort of gives us an insight into grace and grace. Amen? So Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Titus 2, 11. He says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation. So that's the first grace. The first grace is the grace of God that does what? That bringeth salvation. Had appeared unto all men. That grace has appeared unto you and I. Right? Not just you and I. To everybody on the street of Barry. That grace has appeared to even the gay, the lesbian, the Q and the P, whatever they call themselves. The grace has appeared unto all, including the idol worshippers, including those that say there is no God. There is a grace that has appeared unto all. That's what the Bible says, by grace we are what? We are saved. We are saved. We key in through faith. We believe the word. So there is a grace that has appeared unto all men. Now verse 12. And that's where we started looking at our we will continue today. He said, teaching us. 
Now, the grace has appeared unto all men, but then there's a grace that goes forward to do what? To teach us. To teach who? To teach who? So, that grace that teaches is different from the grace that brings salvation. And that's the grace we want to look at a little bit more. Because we are talking about divine presence. Because if God is with you, you will be instructed. You will be taught. You will be given direction. He will show you the way forward and the path forward. So he said that grace goes further, teaching us that number one, denying ungodliness. And last week, we looked at the issue of denying ungodliness. We want to take it a step further today because the second thing that says there is deny what? Worldly lust. So there are two things that we should deny. Number one is what? Ungodliness. And number two? And we talked very briefly about ungodliness last week. And we went as far as saying that ungodliness is the root of the gay and lesbian movement. That's what the Bible says. We went as far as saying that what is the meaning of ungodliness? It simply means wickedness and lack of respect for God. An ungodly man does not respect God. Is that not so? That's why one politician in God's own court says what? There is God though. Because he could see that men were living in such a way that they paid no attention to the presence of a supreme being. That is the root of ungodliness. But today, we want to go further and say, if you are going to enjoy this divine presence, you must deny worldly lusts. You must do what? Deny worldly lusts. That's very important. See, every time we talk about lust, we know the passage we first talk about. And that's why we are going to start today. And that is 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. That's where we will start. Deny worldly lusts. And 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Love not the world. Testimony, love not the world. It's a commandment. Is that not so? It's not, and uh, uh, let's look at it. And uh, let's do an analysis. And uh, let's, no, 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 no. It's a very simple commandment. Tell your neighbor again, love not the world. Love not the world. That's where we start. He says, neither the things that are in the world. In the other world, not just is he saying love not the world. Don't love the things that are in the world. Because if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So, you cannot love the world and love who? You cannot love the world and love God. That's what the Bible is telling us. It's either one or the other. You know, a man sang a song and says, this world is not my home. Is that not so? Many of us have concluded that what? That this world is our home. If you were told today that Jesus is coming tomorrow, you are giving 24 hours, what do you think will be your response? What will be your response? Many of us, uh, some people will repent. Some will say, Jesus, please do what? Don't come yet. Oh, oh yes, don't come yet. Uh, in fact, I've, I've discussed some of our teenagers about Jesus coming and they'll say, no, me, I want to get married first. <laughs> Before Jesus will come, let me do what? Let me get married first. Then he can come. 
Love not the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now it's now verse 16 says, all that is in the world. And then those things in the world are now classified on the three things. The loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, and what? The pride of life. These three things are not of the Father, but they are of the world. So in other words, whatever is of the world is not of the Father. That's what the Bible says. The loss of the eyes, the loss of the flesh, the pride of life, they are of the world, but they are not of the Father. You know, when, when uh, the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, you know, the law of Moses says, if a man marries a woman and the woman cannot give him a child or give him a child and the man dies, the, the next person or the, the, the next brother should do what? Should marry the woman. And so there were seven brothers. And from number one to number seven, they all married the same woman and they did what? They died. And then they came to ask him, thinking that they had a very strong case for Jesus. And they would say, I will answer it. They say, in heaven, whose wife will she be? What did Jesus answer? He said, number one, you people are full of errors. He said, because you don't know what? You don't know the scriptures. He said, because in heaven, there is neither marriage, nor are they given what? In marriage. There is no male angel or what? They don't exist. Any, you see all these woman angels, they are imaginations of man. That's what the Bible says. I mean, to them that believe it, to them gave you power to become what? Either you are a man or you are a woman. You are what? You are a son of God. You are a son of God. You have a prime access to him. A prime access to him. Love not the world. The loss of the flesh. The loss of the eyes. The pride of life. None of these are of the Father. But they are what? They are of the world. And then the Bible makes us to understand that the world passeth away and the lost thereof. So everything that is associated with lost will do what? It will pass away. Everything associated with lost will pass away. But only those that do the will of God will do what? Somebody is not with me. Only those that do the will of God will abide forever. Can you please ask your neighbor, will you abide forever? It's very important. You cannot abide forever if you don't do what? Do the will of God. And brethren, the race we are running on earth is a race for eternity. The earth is only what? 100 years? 120 years? Maybe you live to be 125. There comes a point in time that if you are given the option, do you want to die or live? You say what? You say, Lord, I want to go home. Is that not so? Oh, there comes that point in time that you say, Lord, I think I've done enough. I remember one bad day our general Basel was having and they were praying for him. He said, you will live to be 80. He said, Amen. You will live to be 90. Amen. You will live to be 100. Amen. And they kept counting and the man stopped saying, Amen. Say what? Did I offend God? <laughs> if you have successfully run this race on earth, the race weakens the flesh. But as the flesh is weakened, the spirit is what? Is strengthened. And you can look ahead to a home that the Lord has prepared for us. A place where death is of no consequence. 
When God created Adam, was death, I mean, a part of the creation? It was not. It was sin that brought death into the equation. But there will come a point in time when, like 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Bible says, Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy power? There will come a point in time that death will have no power on you and I. There will come a point in time that as the grave could not hold Jesus, the grave cannot hold you. Amen. There will come a point in time that the glory of God will shine forth and radiate through you. Amen. And I see somebody beginning to manifest that glory right now in the name of Amen. Jesus. I see somebody becoming a testimony right from this point in the name of Jesus. So we said, number one, deny ungodliness. Today, deny worldly loss. The question is, why do we need to deny worldly loss? <laughs> when you go to the scriptures, you realize that the scripture is loaded with things concerning worldly loss. And the first reason you need to deny worldly loss is because worldly loss will take you down from lofty heights. Does that make sense? When God is lifting you up, when God is elevating you, I hope you know it's God that lifts up. The Bible says promotion comes from who? It says not from the south, not from the east, not from the west. It is God that also that lifts up. God will lift you up in Jesus' name. But do you know what? When God lifts you up, something can bring you down. And that is lost. Loss will bring down from lofty heights. Why? There are some things that cannot sustain the promotion God is giving you. And those are the things that loss will bring in your way. Is that not so? You get to a point there where you think you are all powerful. Nobody can challenge you. Then your loss will come in. Say, I mean, I, I will do this. And nothing will happen. Lost will take you down. From lofty heights. The children of Israel, they left Egypt on a winning note. Is that not so? Oh, they realized that, I mean, this our God is a special God. He can do and undo. There were plagues in Egypt so that they could leave Egypt. Then they got to the Red Sea. The Red Sea allowed Israel to pass through. And then the Red Sea did what? Consumed the army of Egypt. So they were like a group of people that nothing could bring them down except they are lost. Because the Bible said in Numbers chapter 11 verse 4 that the mixed multitude that was among them did what? They fell and lost him. That was it. The mixed multitude that was among them fell and lost him. You see brethren, that's why it's very important that you stop being lukewarm. Can you tell your neighbor, stop being lukewarm? Stop being lukewarm. Somebody will say, I don't know what it means. That's not an excuse. When you are lukewarm, it means you are neither hot nor what? It means you are a part of the mixed multitude. When you are lukewarm, you are one of the mixed multitude. Yeah, you know what? God is good, but every time, there's always what? There's always a but. They fell a lost sin. And what happened? The mixed multitude began to weep 
And the children of Israel also did what? They wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? Is that not foolishness? These were men in the wilderness. They could, they, they, God was sustaining them. They had lack of nothing. If they needed anything, all they needed to do was ask. Brethren, there's a difference between asking and crying. There's a difference between asking and what? And weeping. There's a difference between asking and whining. Is that not whining they call it? And many of us, we know how to whine. I'm telling you the relationship between husband and wife. We know how to whine, but whining is not what? It's not asking. Very simple. Say, this is what I want. Our mothers know how to do it very well. We start showing different attitudes. And the man could even become confused. <laughs> what do you want? They won't tell him. And you are supposed to know. <laughs> I tell my wife, I say, make life easy for us. <laughs> Just tell me this is what I want. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. They began to cry. And they said, who shall give us flesh to eat? Who gave you the food? The person that gave you bread, can he not give you flesh? Did you go to the farm to get the bread he gave you? All you needed to do and say, God, what happens? We need what? Even Moses did not believe. When God told Moses and said, tomorrow, I will bring flesh to the children, I mean, to them in the world, Moses said, ah, even if we kill all the cattle that we have, it will not be enough for one day. And God had to rebuke Moses. In verse 23, the Lord said unto Moses, is the Lord's hand waxed short? And that's a question of someone here today. Is the Lord's hand waxed short? Brethren, the God who created heaven and earth, the creator of the universe, what is that problem you are going through that I cannot solve? What is that? If there's no challenge, there can be no promotion. I hope you realize that. Your challenges are meant for your promotion. Amen. Do not, because of your challenges, begin to doubt God. He said it here. He, told, he was talking to Moses. Moses, the reference point of the Old Testament. He said, The Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand worked hot? He said, thou shalt see whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. I want to ask you today, will God's word come to pass in your life? Yes. Will his word come to pass in your situation? Yes. Do you believe that his word will come to pass? Yes. The problem is that we are doubting him. We are doubting him. We are doubting him. We are challenging him. We, his children. Are the ones giving him the challenge that outsiders should give him because of our unbelief and lack of faith? And how did God give them meat? The Bible says in Numbers 11 31 to 34, He said, The wind from the Lord brought meat for them. Do you know that that wind has not stopped blowing? Yeah. Did the wind stop blowing? No. If there was no wind, none of us would be here today. But going a step further, when the Holy Spirit was going to come, how did he come? A rushing mighty wind. That wind of, promo, I mean, of provision is still blowing. Yeah. 
And that wind will blow provision to somebody's part this week. Amen. That which is a lack in your life, the wind of provision will blow it onto you this week in the name of Jesus. Amen. You will have a testimony. Amen. Tell somebody, I will have a testimony. You will testify in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord brought a wind. And the wind brought quails from the sea. And they fell by the camp. A day's journey on this side, a day's journey on the other side. God gave them more than enough. Ephesians 3.20, I love that verse. Unto him that is able to do what? Exceeding abundantly. Above all, we are able to think or ask. According to what? The power that worketh in who? There is a power in me that is working beyond all limitations. There is a power in me that once God has spoken, that power brings it to pass. You know, when the angel was talking about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall do what? Shall perform it. It's, it's, not, it's not your zeal. It's not your running around. It's that power in you that will bring it to pass. So what do you need to do? Stop doubting God. What most of us here are believing God for is too small for him. Is that not so? What most of us have been, it's, it's like the story the Geo shared. He still shared it in the last Holy Ghost service. He said he used to have an uncle, very rich. One of the first men to be rich in God's own country. He said, when you go to him and say, uncle, I need uh, $1,000. The man will look at you and say, I don't have. And she, ah, how can this uncle not have $1,000? This man is what? A millionaire. Uncle, I need $5,000. He will say, I don't have. But he will say, uncle, I need $20,000. He will say, uh-huh. where, where have you been? You are insulting me by doing what? By asking for $1,000. Can you tell somebody, stop insulting God? He can do great things for you. He can do glorious things for you. Bring impossible things unto him. Those are the things he wants to do. Don't limit him by your limitations. Because your limitations are your limitations. They are not his limitations. Loss takes you down from lofty heights. That's number one. Number two, loss is a sign of unbelief in God. Loss is what? It's a sign of unbelief in God. Psalm 78. 78, verse 18 to 33. We are going to look at. I have 12 points here. We are going to take just three. And then we'll round up. Psalm 78, verse 18 to 33. The Bible says they tempted God in their hearts by asking meat for their lust. Verse 19. Yeah, they spoke against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? That's what they were saying. That's what many of us are saying. Many of us are saying, can God give me a good job in this land? I love the testimony our sister gave last Sunday. She said God gave her a job. Not a, what did she call it? Not a minimum wage job. A job she could be proud of. 
that's God's plan for you. He has a job for you that you can be proud of. Receive it in Jesus' name. Receive it in Jesus' name. Years ago, I met a friend of mine at the concourse of TD Towers in Toronto. Those of us are familiar with downtown. I was working with TD. I was a manager in TD. This, my friend, was a manager in Scotia Bank. Now, we knew each other in God's own country. We were both uh, accountants. And so we started talking. He said, yes. He said, that's how things should be. So that when we talk, we start mentioning where we work, and there are places we are happy and we are proud of. Is somebody with me? That's what God wants of you. He wants you to be proud of where he has placed you. He wants you to be able to say, ah, see what the Lord has done. See what the Lord has done. What we waited for has come to pass. See what the Lord has done. He wants you to be able to say, this is where I am now. It is not my making. It is who's making? You know, the reason many of us don't have what we want is because we are not allowing God to take his place in our lives. We are not allowing God to make us testimony. We are not allowing God to be able to say, that is my son. That is my daughter. We are not bringing to him something he can be proud of. Lost is a sign of unbelief. They began to ask, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? <laughs> and verse 20 says, behold, he smote the rock. The waters gushed out. The streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can you imagine this people? They said, it's true. God brought water out of the rock. And he didn't bring dynamite. He just spoke. And water came out. And uh, that is water. Can he give us bread also? Did he give them bread or not? Yes. Let's continue with that passage. Can he provide flesh for his people? Verse 21. Therefore the Lord had this and was wrought. So what happened? A fire was kindled against Jacob. And anger also came up against Israel. Verse 22. Because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. They are lost. Let them to begin to doubt God. Some of us, God has given you a dream. And you know without any doubt the meaning of that dream. It's a revelation from God. Then you begin to, you begin to can this come to pass? Uh, is this possible? Uh -uh. The person I saw lives in Armenia. And I don't even know where Armenia is on the, on the map. And here I am, where? In Canada. Is this possible? <laughs> the person is in this world. Is that not so? Yes. It is possible. Amen. Tell somebody it is possible. possible. And the Lord will do it for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 23. It says, though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven. Those are the things he had done for them and yet they were doubting him. He had drained down manna upon them to eat and had given them of the corn of heaven. Verse 25. Man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the fool. <laughs> Verse 26. He caused an east wind to blow in the heaven 
and by his power he brought in the south wind. He rained flesh upon them as us and feathered fowls like as the sand of the sea. And he let it fall in the midst of their camp, round about their habitations. So they did eat. And they were well filled, for he gave them their own desire. They were not estranged from their lust. So he gave them what they wanted. But because of their lust, look at what he did. While their meat was yet in their mouth, the wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them and smote down the chosen men of Israel. Please tell your neighbor, stop doubting God. Because what you want from him, brethren, is minimal compared to what he wants to do. And in fact, the reason he has not answered you is that what you are asking for is too small for him. He wants to give you something for which you are going to have a testimony. Yeah. You will not lose it in Jesus' name. Amen. The third thing we are going to mention and then we are going to close from there is that this loss was a sign of independence from God. Was a sign of what? Do you know why some people say they don't believe there is God? Or they don't believe in God? It's because they desire that independence from God. They don't want to say that I'm accountable for anything. They don't want God to tell them, like the Bible says, this is the way. Do what? Walking. No, they don't want that. This loss was a sign of independence from God. Why should God direct my affairs? Why should God tell me what to do? And I have an answer for that. Because God has promised provisions, dominion, and protection to those that obey him. To those that listen to him. To those that will toe the line he has them to toe. Psalm 18, I mean Psalm 81, verse 10 to 16. And we're going to run off from there. Psalm 81, verse 10 to 16. He said, I am the Lord thy God which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide. And I will do what? Who is God talking to there? Open your mouth wide, I will feel it. There's an adage in God's own country that they say, the God who has made the mouth wide. I mean, that's, that's how they say that. God who has made the mouth wide has created something to do what? To put in the mouth. I want to tell someone here today, God will feed you. Amen. I said, God will feed you. Amen. You will not lack. Amen. You will not be hungry. Because the Bible tells us that everything is is. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. The Bible says, this is God speaking now. He said, the silver is mine. The gold is mine. The cattle upon a thousand is their word. They are mine. Everything is his. And you agree with that what you want or what you need or what you desire is small compared to what he has. You know, that's why the Bible says, what shall it profit a man? If he gains the whole world. And the last time I checked, it's impossible for any man to gain the whole world. Is that not so? No matter what any man owns, the person doesn't own my wife. Yes, so. So already you know nobody can gain the whole world. No matter who or what he wants, he doesn't own my wife. He doesn't own my children. So, I mean, we are just. In this barry, 
Many of us here are our home owners. Is that not so? Yes. Can the mayor of Bari come to there and say, hey, this your house is mine? No. It's not possible. It, exactly. <laughs> it's not possible. the mayor of Bari, he is a man full of limitations. So, if a man, nobody can gain the whole world. Take your place with God. The desire to live an independent life from God is playing into your lust and is hindering you from God's plan and purpose for your life. I, took, I mean, Psalm 81, right? Look at verse 11. He said, but my people will not hearken to my voice. Israel will none of me. Look, so what happened? He says, so I gave them up to their own hearts. To their own hearts lost. And they walk in their own councils. There is a council that is called the council of God. What does the Bible say about that council? It said the council of God alone. Tell somebody alone. alone. The council of God alone shall stand. And is taught to all generations. So whatever he gives you is not just for now. It's for generations to come. Amen. What they call enduring wealth. Enduring promotion. Amen. Enduring establishment. Amen. If you will not allow lust to govern you, to rule you, and to direct you. The Bible says, if you are going to enjoy divine presence, you must do what? Deny worldly lusts. Deny worldly lusts. Here's what I hate. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3 says, Knowing this first, there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. Are you walking after your own lust? Or are you ready for God to guide and direct you, knowing fully well that if this God guides you, ah, you cannot miss it. That if this God guides you, you cannot fall, you cannot fail. Oh, that if this God guides you, there's an assurance. There's an assurance. And I want to tell someone here today, it's never too late. In fact, I want to tell you, it is not too late. Amen. Jesus is here right now. Jesus is here. Jesus is here right now. He's here. He's here to meet your needs. And to set the captives free. Oh, Jesus is here right now. Jesus is here. Jesus is here right now. Jesus is here. Jesus is here right now. Is here, is here to meet your need and to set the captives free. Oh, Jesus is here right now. Sing it one more time. Jesus is here right now. Jesus is here, Jesus is here right now, he's here, 
meet your needs and to set the captives free. Oh, Jesus, this year, the reason that Jesus is here right now is because of you. Begin to talk to him. Begin to talk to him. What do you want him to do for you? Where do you want him to meet you? What's the word you desire from him? He's here because of you. He's here. So that you will not, you will cease from allowing your lusts to guide and direct your life. So I begin to link up with him. He's here for you. If you've not given your life to Christ, he's here for the salvation of your soul. Remember we said, there is a first grace. And there is a grace that teaches us. The first grace is the grace that brings us salvation. And then there is a grace that teaches. That will take you to a higher level of encounter. And experience with him. He's here. He's here for you. He's here to meet with you. Are you in the house and you want to give your life to Christ? You can raise up your hand where you are. Are you watching us online and not born again? Oh, if he will address this issue of loss. In your life, he must be the Lord of your life. So if you are not born again, you want to give your life to him, just say with me, just say, Lord Jesus, I come before you today. I yield my life to you. You are the God of all. Take control. Come in today. Come in to stay. Write my name in the book of life. Oh, from this day onwards. Let me hear that voice from above that says, this is the way. Walk in it. Let me be guided, controlled, and directed by the voice of the Holy Spirit. Every contrary voice in my life, I come against, I cut off. Write my name in the book of life. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Father, I thank you for this afternoon. I lift your name on high. Be glorified in Jesus' name. I commit all your children here today into your hands. That you will touch every one of us where it matters most in the name of Jesus. That wherever we have allowed the lust of this world to lead us astray, I decree a restoration, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. That, Father, you will establish us on the path of righteousness. That our name shall be glorified in our lives. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We love you, Lord, for we have prayed in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our sermon here on Christ Chapel TV. Tune in next time for the next sermon. God bless you.